Hello and welcome to the 4D Human Being podcast. I'm Katie Churchman and today I'm excited to introduce you to an interview with award-winning writer Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink has had over 22 million views of his TED Talk, The Puzzle of Motivation, and is the best-selling author of six books, including his latest, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. I must say, the timing couldn't have been more perfect for us, as myself and Philippa Waller happened to be speaking at the same event as Daniel, and we managed to grab the speaker for an early morning coffee and chat. A conversation that took us from, how are you really feeling this morning, Daniel, to some of the deeper existential questions. We hope you enjoy getting to know Daniel as much as we did. And thanks again, Daniel, for your early morning enthusiasm and energy. This is the 4D Human Being Podcast. Enjoy the show. Tommy, are we recording already? We are All right, rock and roll, let's go. We don't waste any time. No, apparently not. Talking about time. Yep. <laughs> is this a good time to be interviewing you right now? Uh, it's a pretty good time. Cool. I'm larky, but not a full-fledged lark. So for me, I get going in earnest really around 8.30 or so. So you're getting me 22 minutes before my prime, okay. which will explain all of my misstatements and stumbled phrases. Okay. So pretty much when we finish, you're going to peak. You'll start peaking. Absolutely. <laughs> so is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This yeah. is sort of the warm-up for the rest of my day. Okay, Dan. Well, yeah, we're very happy to be your warm-up. <laughs> so you've been talking a lot about when, which has been fascinating. Thank and you. we deal a lot with the how. So we work in uh-huh. communication skills, leadership development, kind mm-hmm. of how do you show up? How mm-hmm. do you impact people? Right. So here's a question. Yep. A twofold question. Okay. If you were if you were going to be asked the standard question of how are you doing this morning, which in the UK you always say fine, even if you've had a massive tragedy. Of course. If you were going to be asked that question, yeah. What would be your answer, socially polite to people that you might be working with along these conference corridors, and what might be your answer to somebody who loves you unconditionally in the world this morning? Great question. I, I love that two part question. So my first question, <laughs> obviously, because um, I would say. Here's the thing. I'm an American, as you can tell by my accent, mm-hmm. and I am a. I'm from the Midwestern part of America, so I, I've grown up in imbued with, I think, pretty deep politeness that you sometimes don't see on the coasts of the United States. So, if you were to ask me, here, ask me that first question again, Philip. How are you doing this morning, Dan? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. All right, that's my answer. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah, good. So that's so that's that. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. because so I would have to be positive and then I would have to ask you the same question. Absolutely. And I would absolutely, and there would be, if you were to put me in a scanner, uh, an MRI, uh, a functional Mm -hmm. uh, magnetic resonance imaging scanner Mm -hmm. and uh, monitored my brain during that encounter, there would probably be no activation. It would be as, it would be instinctual. It would be like hitting my It'd be like a reflex. It'd be hitting my knee, and it, like there would be very little cognition going you on. Barely need your brain for that answer. Uh, you probably, I, I could probably do it after I di- after I died. It's a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say it's a bit like breathing. That it's an unconscious process, but it's not. It's, it's, it's even it's beyond reflexive. that. Yeah. It's reflexive. It's reflexive. It's yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's unco- yeah, unco- It is. It is. Un- I mean, it's sort of what I was getting at. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it is un- unconscious in that. I'm, I'm, I'm literally not like right now. I'm thinking yeah. because you've asked me a question that I'm pondering and I'm and I'm and I'm considering it. But this is not that. This is 
um, my hand is close to a stove, so I pull it off. Totally. And that, yeah. and that actually really speaks yeah. to the work that we do. So one of our kind of catchphrases is consciously create the impact you choose. And the difference between being with somebody who is in that reflexive mode, that you could, you're just an object, you could be anybody, and yeah. actually we are, in, we are connected, you're a subjective, it's an I-thou, Martin Buber I-thou. Oh. Okay, wow. so All second right. question, can we be... Martin Buber before 8.30 is Martin a little, Buber before a little 830. rough for oh, me yeah. there, but that's okay. <laughs> so... Can can I now be somebody that is an unconditionally loved person in your life, Dan? Which is also yes. kind of pretty Straight. sudden for knowing you for ten minutes. Yes. So, Dan, how are you doing this morning? Uh, you know what? I'm a little stressed out. I'm I'm I didn't get enough sleep, so I'm tired. And as you know, um, I don't do well on sleep deprivation. Um, also, when I woke up, I had a stack of emails. All of them, literally, annoying. <laughs> that I know that I will have to deal with upon leaving here, and w- all I want to do is do a good job at this conference. But I, I really need to get some time, you know, five minutes by myself to get my head on, or else this is going to be a disaster. So what we're not going to do now is reveal the date and time. <laughs> we, we've revealed the yeah. time, actually. We yeah. won't reveal the date because yeah. you'll know if you emailed Daniel Pink yeah. this morning, you are not on a good list. Okay. Yeah. I love the checklist on your website for emailing you um, about is this important. Oh, it was yeah, like, yeah. wonderful. But that's done, that, that, that's, that's done just to, for, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it, it, it helps me process things more quickly. And the other thing is that um, because we have limited space, it makes people get to the point faster. Yeah. So you'll sometimes get these emails from perfectly lovely people, but they'll be 1,300 words long. And, and, and the, all they're asking is, hey, do you have a book recommendation about um, moral reasoning? You know, and like if they just said that in the first sentence, I would say, here, go read the, you know, go read The Righteous Mind by John Hype and you'll be fine. We know how to communicate with Dan yeah. Pink. Yeah, that's very useful. But I think it's true for a lot of people. I don't think it's, mm. I don't think it's true for me. I think people are so inundated with, inundated with information and inundated with just stimuli that there's a, there's a value in brevity. Oh. Like I welcome it. I don't mean it. And, and I, and I, and it's not a matter of being curt or impolite or short with people. It's just in that particular medium, I think there's a, pr- there's a premium on brevity. I don't think it's true in, in all, uh, uh, human encounters. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If I say, how are you? Fine. And we move on. Right. That's different. Well, I'm a twin, an identical twin. And she, oh. uh, we used to be an accountant. She runs the company with me now. And um, she, she quite likes a lot of information, but she will if we get if we get sent the same email and it's all bullet points and information, she would assume I haven't read that because I'm like you. I need a subject oh, interesting. line. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So different processing. So now, how did that happen? What my mother had twins? Or no, no, no. I understand that. <laughs> I, 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 I took biology and I have three kids. So I don't need that explanation. But you're identical twins. I know. How did it happen? Would you do have some experience, different experiences in your lives, or? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I think it's different ways of coping, isn't it? There we go. That's that's us as toddlers. Now we've got to put that up on the podcast site, which is going to be. Yeah. Some, I don't know. I oh, don't nice. know if Penelope okay. will agree. And then that's that's her and me there. But you're the you're the one on the right. I am the yeah. one on the right. But are you taller than she is? Or no, I'm just wearing heels. I've got super yeah. heels on. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, you've got to differentiate as a twin somehow. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, you. I yeah. Hear. yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's something about how you get. St- 
stroked. I don't mean physically stroked, but how you get validation Interesting. Yeah. Um, as a child, and therefore getting validation for um, you know, well, she's an she was an accountant. Uh-huh. What were you? I was an actor. Wow. And now I'm a psychotherapist and a coach. Hmm. Yeah. So, but this is about you. Yeah. We're going to go a little bit deep in a minute, and I know that's oh super early. Right. Yeah. I know, but there's there's a particular reason for that. Before we do that, we do work in leadership, impact, and communication skills. How do you feel about walking on stage and speaking to like nearly a thousand people? I'm sure you do audiences of all sizes. What's it like for you? Is it a breeze, Dan? No, nothing's a breeze. Um, I'm just I look at it like um, I, th- I think I would look at it like any person who cares about what they do would take their job. So I like I like so so when I get up there, I want you know what I'm thinking about is okay. All the, these people are stuck in a room. They are for for an hour. Um, I want to make this hour as valuable to them as possible. So when they, at the end of the hour, they say, "Hmm, I'm glad I spent that hour doing this," rather than answering my email or uh, talking to my spouse or you know anything else, uh, doing jazzercise or anything. <laughs> anything. There was a jazzercise. There was a jazzercise thing going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 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 that's what it would be. But I but I would think it. But I don't think that I don't think that's materially different from anybody who is a a teacher and says I have this lesson in quadratic equations that I want to teach to my students today and I want to do a really good job I don't think it's any different from uh, a baker who says you know I'm making this batch of croissants and I want them to be good because I care about my cut you know yeah. Yeah. it's it's yeah that it's it's very focused it's very focused on uh, and I, and I, I I think it's very commonplace I think that, pe- that, that, that that innately most people want to just do their job well mm-hmm. and and be conscious of what they're doing and be helpful to the people who are essentially their customers or who their audience is. Mm-hmm. That. So that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And, and, and for I don't look at it like, oh, my God, I'm so psyched. I get to be in front of all these people. Or I don't say, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I get to be in front of these. It's okay. like, it's, I, I think of it as like, let's make some goddamn good croissants here so that everyone is glad that they had a croissant this morning. Yeah, yeah. And give everybody a croissant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, which, which is a real fundamental for us and, and a shift that we see in people when they can take the focus off themselves, yeah. what they think, how they yeah, get that's judged. Yeah, yeah. And they can think about the audience and actually that's right. the same in conversations as well, isn't it? Interesting, yeah. 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 Which makes me think before our we deep dive it makes me think of this is already pretty deep man. you think yeah this is deep wait, you wait for it down we're going okay. we're, we're going down we're going submarine so it makes me think of improvising now okay. your book whole new mind yes ha- had a huge impact on me and the work that we do and i used to be an improviser so comedy yeah. improv and you've you've talked about improv yeah. Katie, you found a quote from Dan, yeah you, you said i'm sure you can repeat it yourself good improvisers seem telepathic everything looks prearranged this is because they accept all offers made do you remember saying that yes and i still agree yeah yeah you notice i did a yes and yeah you know the tools oh, yeah. the corner tools that's what we're doing here at the conference a bit of that because we use it for leadership development now we think it's a really good practical playful way to help people get into that mindset of being really present here, it's the right brain, and also having an eye on, well, there's no pre-written script here, but we've got to have an eye on what it might be, but be prepared to let it go. And that speaks to that right brain that you that you talk about of what's possible, what's the potential, the unknown. What are some of the ways that you, what are some of the barriers to people facing that, that they're, they're nervous about not having a script? Control. Yeah. So there's games that you do where you where you know you do like a word at a time, and people want yeah, to say more. Than, it's a fun game, right? 
But because people want to say more than one word, because your narrative, I don't know what you're going to say. Right. All I know is what I've got here. But what they do on that, because I've done that exercise before too, yeah. I think it's super cool, is they start planning what they're going to say five people out. And then when it gets to them, they're flummoxed because things have gone a different direction. Totally. Yeah. Which is a great analogy for kind of leadership and business at the right. moment, that the pace of change means you right. can plan if you like, right. but yeah. Right. But I'm a, I'm a big believer in improv as a you guys talk about it as a leadership tool I, I just think it as a human tool yeah. uh, I, I, I've written about this before and one of the things that I was really taken by was the idea of training yourself to hear offers mm -hmm. that is and, and I don't think we do that well enough yeah um, yeah uh, we don't we don't actually listen very well and we don't hear offers and so that was for me tr truly that was a powerful insight yeah. the other thing is is that is the principle in improv which I think is hard for people who are completely into themselves is the idea of make the other person look good totally if you're in if you're in if you're in, if you're in a, like if you and I are actors my job is to make you look good your job is to make me look good totally I don't I don't say no uh, yeah I'm just repeating the rules but I don't I don't say um, you know, you, we say, oh, uh, uh, Mr. Pink, uh, it's time to do your surgery. It's like, no, I'm not a patient. I'm not sick. You can't, that's not going to work exactly. for an, an improv. Exactly, exactly. So we talk about that in terms of, yeah, the, you know, the worst leaders are going to block. Good leaders will kind of accept and build. Great leaders will be with you accepting and building with an eye on kind of what they're right. Yeah. Do you have any experience in performance? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on to the next question. Yeah. Yes, and I don't. <laughs> Sorry, I, I violated that well, rule. Other than, other than speaking all over the world. That's meaning, yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess you are always performing, but I guess it's your own character as opposed to taking on a Shakespearean role. Uh, I've never performed Shakespeare, but we can, if you, if we could go deeper and say that essentially every human action, every human interaction is performative in its own way. Totally. I'm performing right now. We're making it up as we go along. Right. Yeah, we are. We are in a little playlet here. Yes. Yeah, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. We'll no. see what the reviews are. We'll see what the reviews are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. Um, time and ages. So, okay. what were you? What was happening for you? So, we're going to reveal our ages now. Okay. So I'm 27. Okay. I'm 46. Okay. What was happening for you at 27? Where were you at? What were you thinking, feeling, doing, believing? And it's funny, I was, I was literally just thinking about this oh, at age 27 oh. because I saw, I read yesterday, 27 years ago, yesterday, as we're speaking, there was a, an incident in the United States uh, involving a man who was, an African-American man who was beaten by the L.A. police. The man's name was Rodney King. I remember. And there was a, yeah, it was international, mm -hmm. and, and, and it was, this is before the internet, but there were essentially homebrewed videos of somebody videotaping that encounter. And the video was one of the first, in some, some sense, viral videos. Back before there was an internet, it was all on television, broadcast on cable television. And it was this sort of startling thing that touched off all kinds of other um, controversies in the, and reckonings in the United States. All of which is to say is that I'm 54. And so I read that like 27 years ago. And I said, oh my God, I was 27 at the time. So when I, so I was literally thinking about this yesterday. And when I was 27, I was in New York working for a Senate campaign, a U.S. Senate campaign. 
at, um, at a time when this issue started exploding and, and I was just thinking about like how different the world was. Maybe not so much how different I was, but it seems like the world was a completely different place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was in yeah. New York working for a for a Senate campaign. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you'd give that twenty seven year old self? Um, interesting, because I think at that point I was. I think for me that particular age was a little bit of a pivot in maturity in in, in, in a way. So I think at that point I was beginning to get over myself a little bit. I don't know if I fully arrived there even today, but I've, I think I was, I was beginning to get over myself and be a little bit more sort of um, less self-absorbed, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that's I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my life is so radically different then. I mean, because I at the time and I was I was I, I had a girlfriend who is now my wife, but you know I didn't have kids. I didn't really have a career so at 46 then 46 46 would have been 2011 2010 2010 yeah boy oh it's weird is that even though that's a much shorter time I, I, I literally I have very oh, I have no recollection of it what I was doing in two, that, like in May of 2010 I truly have no how idea how interesting yeah, yeah. yeah it's honestly a, it's, a, it's not a sticky point I have no idea I'm trying to think about how old my kids were at that time I was probably just like trying to finish a piece of writing and make sure my kids didn't run into the street and get hit by a car. Yeah. That's probably what I yeah. was doing. Yeah, yeah. You doing the same thing today? Well, fortunately, I think my kids, who are two of whom are in their twenties, know not to run in the street and get hit by a car. <laughs> I think so. They're both in college, so I hope that that college education has provided that yeah. insight. <laughs> Let's hope with um, the amount that you have to spend in this country. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. The I think today is a little... It's an interesting question, yeah. I think, I think that my point in life right now is a little bit more of a pivot. As my kids... As our kids get a little bit older, I started thinking, okay, like, there's a sense of, like, the page turning and a new chapter awaiting. Yeah, yeah, the, the refresh, hitting refresh. Okay, can we do a little deep dive? And this is... We're going to sort of handle this carefully. But you're 59ers. You're, you're, sorry, you're nine-enders. I'm saying 59, yeah. but you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll know why in a minute. So you're nine-enders had a huge huge impact on me so I have a friend who um, whose husband you know kind of went off when he was 49 and I had a huge huge nine ender my partner at 59 took his own life oh my god yeah so that's been a huge impact on me. But what was so, and of course, you know, that's a very complex, yeah. you know, bereavement process. But what was really interesting hearing that was it just, it just took a little bit out of that kind of personal story meaning making and put it into a different context mm. for me that actually there's something else going on at that age. So firstly, I suppose I want you to know that it ha- that, 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 that has had a huge impact mm, on me and that kind of research and information yeah. can be so helpful when we're caught up in the right. you know, emotion right. of something right. and we can kind of anchor it in something else right. Right. so I sort of landed that on you in the morning Dan yeah. but I'm I suppose from that I wonder have you had any nine enders in my life or in my own experience either either what you know? What led you? How did you find that out? Like, what 
did you did you notice that with yourself or people? Well, I mean, on that one, I just came to I came to view the I came to view the research, and I think that one of the things about writing about behavior and lodging it in research is that exactly as you say, it helps people put individual experiences into context, yeah, um, and recognize that you know even if it feels if, if, if it's the first time that you're encountering something, it's probably not the first time anybody has encountered this. You know, and I think that that can be. I think that can be very reassuring on a number of on a number of different things, um, a, in a number of different dimensions of a, a number of different dimensions of life. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I think that might be a change in the way I think about things, even more broadly. Because I, I have to say, in the last couple of years, I've said things like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Um, can't come up with a good example, but I find myself saying, okay, someone has dealt with this before. What did they do? Why do I feel like I have to completely, you know, reinvent how you do, um, or figure out on my own how you do, um, um, you know, how you deal with this, whether it's a personal problem or whether it's a, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're working on a nonprofit board and the nonprofit board is facing some challenge and you're like, okay, someone has dealt with this before. What have they done? And, and I think that that is, I think that's, I think that's really helpful. And that's something that I didn't realize myself. I didn't do myself for a very, very long time, you know? Yeah. We're nodding, we're nodding profusely here because absolutely there's something about, the realization that whether exactly just whether you're setting up a company and kind of walking into the lobby, right. going, you know, I, I'm Philip Waller from 40 Human Being. This is a decade ago, and, and I'm kind of thinking, what is that? Like that's you know, this is my first client, but actually other people have done that, and now they're huge companies. Exactly. And equally, kind of you know, in times of pain or difficulty or sadness, when we feel so alone, um, I remember that in the middle of the night one time, thinking, oh, I'm on my own. It was real kind of you know, the wave of grief had hit, and I suddenly just stopped and I thought, there are thousands of people right now doing exactly the same absolutely. thing yeah yeah that's a comforting thought absolutely yeah i mean it's like anything it's like you have some let's say you have some i mean on so many different levels you have i think one of the things that i've seen is that if you let's say you have some kind of medical problem and you feel like uh, i'm trying to trying to think of a good example without violating anybody's privacy here but well, we haven't say, hit your peak yet to be fair so you're, let's you're say that to- you have you know <laughs> s- somebody is dealing with you know, a, I don't know, a, whatever, some, some kind of medical problem. Like they have a problem with their liver, let's say, let's, uh, right? And, you know, you, you find out that you have this problem with your liver and you feel like, oh my God, what the heck am I going to do? And then you, then you start, you take three steps back and you say, okay, there probably have been tens of thousands of people who have dealt with this. So let's go find out what they did and see what we can learn from that rather than feel like you have to figure it out yourself. Totally, totally. And that's the wonder of fact-finding and research. Yes, actually, exactly. We're not on a blank page. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. And the other thing is, I mean, and I, and I actually think about that as a, as, a, as a writer. There's an adage. I don't know who came up with it in journalism, which is always extrapolate from your own experience because you're not that special. <laughs> so... So, so if I, so, 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 so when I, as a writer, if I find something interesting, I don't say, oh, or if I find something interesting, I say, well, probably, you know, other people might find that interesting too. It's not like I have some refined, rarefied taste or anything like that. Um, Or if I'm dealing with a particular issue, maybe I write about that because... 
um, it's not like I'm the only person who's ever dealt with this, and so there might be other people who would deal with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you've certainly done that for us, so uh, we thank you very much. So we, I'm aware of time, and yes. there's going to be people upstairs with their hearts slightly beginning to beat a bit faster, thinking, where's, where's Daniel peaked. Pink? Oh, okay. You've just peaked, you've peaked. This okay. is it, Dan. Yeah. This is it, Dan. We're going to feel a massive change in tone now, <laughs> I can feel it. Um, so, yes, just some kind of quick questions yeah. to end. What gives you the most joy in life, Daniel Pink? Um, seeing my kids flourish. What are you most looking forward to? Hmm. I mean, at the moment, I'm just, I'm, mo- I'm looking, you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting through today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Getting, getting, are you going home today? I, I'm going, I, I'm going back to DC today, but then I have this, another obligation tonight, and then I have another obligation in the morning, mm-hmm. and then I have to hit the road again on Saturday. Okay. So you're not going to have a weekend? No, 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 no. Yeah. You say that like, what are you saying? I never have a weekend. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I shouldn't say that. But, um, but you know, I've been working for myself for 20 years, so I don't have this stark divide between a weekend and a weekend. Yeah. So, you know, so if it's Tuesday afternoon and I'm sick of things and I want to go to a museum or something like that, I might do that. Yeah, yeah. But it also means that weekends and weeks and holidays can roll can blur, into one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. So in which case, can we really thank you for taking some time today to come and meet us you didn't really know who we were or what we were going to ask you and uh, no I did not know what you were going to ask me but it was an interesting it's an interesting conversation it's made me think in a way that that I didn't expect to be doing it before 8 30 in the morning well how wonderful thank you that's an accolade from you Daniel thanks and uh, we wish you a wonderful morning thank you thank you a restful return thank you and yeah. much joy. Looking forward to and the, seeing you speak. And the second half of my coffee. Second half of your coffee. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Daniel Alrighty. Pink. We want to say a big 4D thank you to Daniel Pink for your time early in the morning. Glad we could be with you as you hit your lark peak. I'm Katie Churchman, and you're listening to the 4D Human Being Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, and spread the word. And for more podcasts, articles, and videos, please visit 4dhumanbeing.com. That's the number four, letter D, humanbeing.com. Are you happening to the world or is the world happening to you? Let's turn it up to 4D.